start this morning by telling you a story about there's an older woman, and if you're in the front, I'm sorry, I'm a spitter, okay? So, uh, you know, I'll try to move around because so, I'm an equally offender. You know, I'll offend everybody, not just one group of people. But um, there was a woman, she was an older woman, and she was relying on God uh, to take care of her needs. And her, the money that she would get in was not enough to take care of her. It was never enough. But she was, every day, she would go to the window at the south end of her house and open up the window and look out the window and look up towards heaven. And she would say a prayer. She would say, Lord, please take care of this old woman that loves you very, very much. And, and my needs are this. And she would list off her needs. Well, this was great. And this was a beautiful thing for this woman to do because she was relying and trusting on the living God. Well, the problem was is that her neighbor was an atheist. And so he would listen to this old woman every day. And it, for, after a while, he was starting to pull his hair out. And uh, he, he realized one day she'd come to the window and she was really specific about the things that she wanted. Well, uh, he thought to himself, he goes, I'm going to get this woman once and for all. I'm going to prove to her that there is no such thing as God. So he goes to the supermarket and he buys up all these groceries. He buys up the specific things that she asked for. And he puts them all on the porch, and then he hides in the bushes. He rings the doorbell, hides again in the bushes. And sure enough, the old woman comes to the door very slow, opens it up, and she looks out, and she goes, Oh, my goodness. This is a... God, you are so good to me. Thank you, God, for taking care of my needs. And this man jumps out of the bushes and says, Aha! God didn't provide for you. I bought these groceries. And she looks up to heaven and she says, Thank you, Lord, for providing my groceries and making the devil pay for them. (laughs) The The reality this morning is that if you're much like most of Americans today, if you're if you're much like them, you're living from paycheck to paycheck. And I'm not trying to shame anybody today, but but that's no way to live. Paycheck to paycheck. That's a hard way to live. And, and there's, oh, it seems to be more month than there is paycheck. Am I right? And so I'm going to tell on myself this morning, hoping to connect with you. About 10 years ago, I did the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace class. My wife and my family and I, and my kids were young at that time. And right now, I've got a son that's 23 years old. He lives in Redmond. He's got a buddy, and they've, they're renting a place, and he lives at GameStop, or he works at GameStop. He's the manager there. He lives there, too, but um, uh, he's the manager there. And then my daughter's 20. Um, she's best friends with Chelsea, Chelsea Kidwell, who's part of this church family, too. In fact, she's helping with the kids' ministry right now. Um, my daughter, uh, Elena, she's 20. She's getting ready to go to COCC and, uh, as soon as uh, things turn around here. Well, so we did the financial peace class 10 years ago. And about three years ago, I joined the staff at the shepherd's house. And one of the criteria was for me to have expenses and to spend money there, I had to get a credit card. Well, I hadn't had a credit card in seven years because I was living with my envelopes, and I was living appropriately, and I was out of debt. As a family, we, were, we had chosen to live a certain way so that we could be more generous. Well, that credit card got me in trouble. Of course, because I had such great, great credit up to that point, because I had paid off all my debt, they gave me a maximum limit on the credit card. 
And so before long, after two years, about a year ago, I got it backed out where I couldn't use it anymore. Oh, slowly but surely, my wife and I, we made decisions that made sense at the time, and, and that credit card got maxed out. Well, that was just enough to snowball our income and cause us just grief where we couldn't be generous anymore. We couldn't be giving. We couldn't live with our hands open. What I mean by open hand is that often God wants us, he wants us to hold our dollar bills not like this, but like this, so that if he needs them, he can borrow them. If we're holding on to them tight, and so at that particular time, one of my best friends, his name's Rob Wharton, he and his wife Paula ended up moving in with us for a season through a series of events. He was fighting cancer, he had his prostate removed, and he was, re- he was recovering in our house. Well, Rob had started to see how I ran my house and was wondering, hey, this isn't the Darren I knew from years prior that got out of debt and, you know, he's juggling his finances and stuff like that and paying this bill but then holding his breath so he could pay the next bill and things like that. And Well, my dear friend started to pray about that and asked God what he thought he should do. So he and his wife, with their dear generosity, they ended up paying off my credit card for me with the plan of that er- what we were putting into the credit card that wasn't paying it off, by the way. It was just getting it, deferring it to later. What it, what it ended up doing was it ended, uh, we took that money that we'd pay into that and we paid it on to another debt and then that debt got paid off and we paid off that and that and that. And before long, here we are debt-free again. Amen? And, and as uncomfortable as that was for me to share with you because nobody wants to admit that they struggle with money, I struggle with it. And I don't know who else can identify with me this morning. Let me share with you a few statistics about this. Because, by the way, I think credit card companies are evil. Can I, get a, can I see a witness out there? I testify. Okay. And the reason I think it's, I think it's even criminal what they're allowed to do in our nation. I think it's criminal. They're not the enemies. It's actually we need to be careful with our spending. But the Bible had a way of dealing with this in the Old Testament. They had a thing called the Day of Jubilee. And what they would do is every seven years, all debts were dissolved. And so if you knew that you were going to have your debt dissolved in seven years, you as as a borrower would be wise about that. And you as a lender would be wise about that. Am I right? And so the system we have now cripples people for a lifetime. Some people never get out of debt. Here's some latest statistics. This is from the credit card. This is a survey uh, for a credit card bureau.com. And most, uh, most common debts in the U.S. for the consumer First one is, is a no-brainer. It's the mortgage. Mortgage on people's houses. 54% of Americans have a mortgage, followed by credit card debt, which is 53%. Wow. You think medical would be up higher, don't you? And then it goes on to say auto loans are 47% of Americans, followed by student loans, which is 21%. I thought that one would be higher, too. And only 13% is medical debt. That's enough if you're in medical debt. Am I right? 
Personal loans is 11%. So I, I share all that with you for this purpose, that if you're wealthy, praise God, enjoy it, but be wise. And if you're living from paycheck for paycheck, be wise. And if you don't make enough, if there's so much month at the end of the, at the, end of the paycheck, so to speak, be wise and trust the Lord. And all those trust the Lord. I want to, uh, the goal of this message today is we're going to talk about Christians and their finances and have a biblical worldview of how you handle your finances. By the way, when I said that, some of you turned off, okay? I want, I want to encourage you to turn back on, if you will. It, it not go into autopilot this morning. Because I started meddling, am I right? I mean, when you start talking about people's meddling, when you talk about their money, you're meddling in their affairs. But I have a simple truth that you'll be able to remember this message by because we're going to build around it a little bit here. And that's, when it comes to our wealth, and I'm assuming we're Christians here, when it comes to Christians' wealth, Christians are to be fair, to care, and to share. Okay? to be fair, to care, and to share. James chapter 5 talks about um, kind of it's an indictment on a people. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this. He was a a leader in the early church uh, in Jerusalem when, uh, when the church was just founded. And James really hits the wealthy hard in this book of James. But in chapter 5, he goes after him really hard. In fact, he's hitting him so hard that it's almost prophetic. It, it feels like an Old Testament prophet, the way that he's communicating with them, because he's already communicating judgment on them, as if it's already on top of them. And they're being indicted. They're being charged with hoarding their wealth in these six verses, being selfish, failing to pay their workers, abusing their workers, not caring about others, and being indifferent. So we're going to step into that today. For us as Christians to have a biblical worldview of our finances, of our wealth, we are to be fair, care, and share. So why is this relevant for today? It's just a brief introduction. Really, I want to encourage you to consider doing the Dave Ramsey stuff. I know it works. Not perfect, and it takes a while. It's done in a way that encourages you, coaches you with your finances. They don't give it all to you like you're not drinking out of a fire hose. You, they give it to you in little pieces, and it's like you're being coached along the way. That's why it takes so long to take the class. They don't want to overwhelm you. And I guarantee if you go to the first two classes alone, you'll get hooked. If you, if you don't give it the first two classes, you won't be convinced that you need to be there. And if you're thinking about not going, I was going to say something weird, but anyway, I won't say, say that. But let me come back to our text here, James chapter 5, 1 through 6. says, this is how powerful this is. And I'm just going to, I was told not to worry about our time, but I care about your time. And I want to be value it, but it says, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that's coming on you. 
Aren't you glad you came to church today? Your wealth has rotted. Moths have eaten your clothing. Your gold and silver have corroded. The corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. That doesn't sound like a New Testament thing, does it? Sounds like Old Testament stuff. But there's a judgment that's coming on people of wealth. By the way, if you live in America, you're wealthy. And how I define wealth and how I see a biblical definition of wealth is if you have clothing, if you have food and housing, you're wealthy. Anything over that is prosperity. And that's, doesn't that speak to us in America today? And so, now I'm not making friends, by the way. But I do need to be a good pastor and tell you that we have so much We have so much to be grateful for and thankful for. And we could celebrate because God has given us all this to enjoy. He's given us an abundant life. Amen? If you haven't hung around Larry, you'll figure out what abundant life means. (laughs) There you go. But here then in verse 5 it says, You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself for the day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered the innocent ones who are not opposing you. See, what's going on in this passage is that the wealthy landowner was not paying the worker, the everyday worker, the people that were mowing the fields for him, that were harvesting the fields. He would wait to pay them till later, and he would use the waiting to pay them till later to make more money for himself. And yet he was at home living in luxury, dining and having a great time while people were perishing around him because he wasn't giving them their wages. In fact, there's an Old Testament law. There are a series of laws that have to do with people that are business owners or landowners and how they need to make sure they don't hold people's wages back, especially the poor. They're supposed to be generous and make sure they get their wages because often the poor live from, they get their money, they buy food, they eat it, they go back to work again. That's just how they survive. And people were dying, according to James in this passage. And people are being condemned, and the innocent ones are being murdered because of the apathy, the self-indulgence, the indifference of the person that was in charge. There's a practical message for us who are business owners, or those of us, my wife just started a business. It's called Black Barn Design. She does decorating. She repurposes old stuff. But she's using the biblical practices of being generous. Every, everything that she uh, makes, she ties out of um, towards the shepherd's house. That's part of what she does. That's part of her thing. In fact, I think she's playing and then gets a chance to give to the shepherd's house because she really loves what she's doing. But business owners are supposed to be well, do well with their employees and not cheat them and treat them well. In fact, I have a friend of mine. Do you guys happen to know who Greg Strubar is? He used to be the pastor at Redmond Christian Church where I was on staff over there for five and a half years. His son, Matt, started a painting company in, uh, up and down the 95 highway, down the corridor there. And there was a season where there's some rhythms in the season around here with painting. There was a season that got really tight for him. And as a Christian man, he had to make some decisions. 
And what he chose to do was he, he chose to hold back his profit to make sure that his workers got paid. Well, that season came around again this year. And he went to his workers. He says, hey, guys, I'm just going to let you know what's going on with our finances as a business. We're, we're doing well, but yet right now it's a little tight. What should we do? I came over here to spit on you guys. What should we do? You know what his workers did for him? They decided that they were going to go to work two weeks for him. This would solve the problem for free. They gave back to him because he treats them so well as a Christian business owner. So we, with our wealth, need to be fair with the people that we work with. Let's say you've got some online dickering that you're doing with somebody. Be fair with how you deal with it. How many people use the internet to get, uh, get goods these days? Raise your hand. Thanks. This is not a setup, by the way. Sometimes preachers will get you to raise your hand and then they'll slam you. Eh, I won't do that to you today. Anyway. But when you're dealing online with people, consider. Be fair with them. Fair price for a fair trade. Do, do well with people. There, you know, another example could be when uh, you're driving down the road and you see this old pickup that's, that's in, in somebody's weeds and you go and knock on the door and find out that it's a widow. And as you're talking with her, you find out that she's willing to give you, give you that if you move it off the property for $300. But it's worth $30,000. And you know that as a Christian. What is your responsibility Because you're a follower of Christ, you need to educate her. Hey, I need to let you know that that's not fair. Your vehicle is worth this much, and this is what I will pay for it. You could still get a good deal, but you don't swindle people. That's the kind of morality I'm talking about when I'm talking about how we Christians, with our wealth, we need to be fair. You know, this. the other thing that they were indicted with is in that James there, that passage that we were looking at, is the idea of their indifference, that they didn't care about where other people are at. One of the paradigm shifts for us as God's people is that we need to understand that, it, that we live in, we're so American, okay? <laughs> we need to step away from, you know, this idea of uh, baseball and apple pie kind of a thing, you know? I mean, those things are great, But when they step outside of God's values, we need to be careful. And one of his values is that we care about other people and what they're going through and their hurts. Let me share a a quick story with you. Step away from my notes for a minute. Um, There's a few years back where I got let go from a church. There was no moral failure or anything like that. The church had grown to a place where they were transitioning into a new development where they needed somebody that was more administrative. And I, I kind of lay on the people skills side of things. On the people side, less administrative. My wife's the administrative one. I'm, she keeps us alive, trust me. The, uh, the, the, people, the people thing, and so they, they talked to me and they let me go. So I was unemployed. So I went to work for Costco f- for a while. By the way, when I worked at Costco, eight people came to Jesus while I was there. Yeah, yeah. The cool thing is all I had to do was go to work each day, 
And when I was moving product, I was just being me. And before long, they came to Christ, and, and, and they're still walking in Christ today. I've got them connected to my social media, where I still keep up to date on how they're doing and stuff. That's a side note. The, when I went to work at Costco, I, I was really, we as a family, we, we know what it means to have much, and we know what it means to have little. But we were hurting at that time. That was when our kids were real little. And I'm sitting here having to trust God because I, up to then, I kind of had pride. I'm going, I'm the man of this house. I'm taking care of business, you know, and I'm making sure that my kids are fed and look at what I built here, you know, and all that. And then all of a sudden, I didn't have a paycheck coming in to support all of that. And I learned what it meant to rely on God and depend on him. So I was that widow at the window praying, saying, Lord, I don't know where I'm, how I'm going to feed my kids. We, uh, the interesting thing is God supernaturally took care of my family. I didn't share this with the first service. Some of my former students of the youth ministry I was a part of, they stole my pickup and filled it with gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a blessing, which it was ironic because that day I knew I could get to work, but I didn't know if I could get home or not. That's how poor we were. But during that time, God would provide. I, I, we, went, we went to a, a partner church. The church I was serving at, I just felt like I needed to step away. So I went into a partner church, which happened to be the church where people that were disgruntled with this church came over here in this neighborhood. And so I had friends and people from there. And we're at the end of church. It happened to be Father's Day one year. And sitting in church, and my wife and I are in the back, and I have my tithe in my pocket. And I'm starting to weep because I'm, I'm just, and my wife leans over to me and she goes, sweetheart, she goes, I trust you. If you choose to hold on to that, that's okay. I will follow your lead. But if you choose to let it go and trust God with it, I'll follow your lead there too. She goes, and I just sat there and I watched the offering. We had bags like, much like you folks do and started passing the bags around and, and it was starting to come my way and I'm just starting to get upset you know, I'm starting to feel it. It was starting to come from down below. And all of a sudden, I, I reach in, and in an act of faith, I, I release it. Letting go of that envelope with my, our tithe in it and was such an incredible amount of trust. I let it go, and it went. And, and we were in a congregation, probably about triple the size of this one. And I'm in the back row with my wife, and I, I'm just weeping. By the way, there might be somebody in here this morning that came in just because you wanted a safe place to be, but you're hurting. If you're hurting today, just know the Lord knows who you are and he's ministering to you quietly right now. Receive from him because he loves you very much. But we were hurting in that back row and we were just, nobody else, everybody was praising God and having a wonderful time and we were just, we're just hurting because, first of all, I was mourning over the loss of a ministry that I poured eight and a half years of my life into and my love for people. Of course, I was really highly in the people side, so that was where my wounds were coming from. And anyway, as time went on, all of a sudden, a coworker of mine who happened to be one of my managers was about a, uh, so many seats down. Well, we had developed a great relationship and he just kind of got my attention, and, you know, through the tears, I looked down, and he goes like this, and he has an envelope with my name on it, and he starts to pass it this way, and 
And of course, it gets to me, and I just kind of look at it, and I'm puzzled because I have no idea what's going on. And I put it in my pocket. I think, you know, this is not the time to look at it. And so as we're leaving church, it, like I said, I mentioned it was Father's Day. I remember it vividly because I was going to get ready to go to work in a few hours. And one of the dear saints that used to go to this other church, but now is going to this church, comes up and hands me $50. In fact, they had left the church because of my ministry, the youth ministry. I wasn't disciplining the kids hard enough for her. And, uh, and uh, she felt like I needed to make them toe the line. And I'm all about this grace thing and helping them figure it out. And, and my kindness didn't work in her book. She wanted me to have them toe the line. And so she's over here. She walks up and she goes, hey, here's $50. I want you to take your family out for, for Father's Day and just celebrate and have a good time. So my family and I, we, we go over to Red Robin and we sit down and we have a meal together, and we're laughing and having a great time because I'm enjoying the fact that God's taking care of us. And I'm thinking, what a cool thing. And, and the kids are having a good time. And when it came time to pay the bill, all of a sudden, uh, I, said, I said, hey, can I get the bill? And the, the waitress says, no. And I go, what are you talking about? She goes, no, that, that couple over there, and there's this dear old couple across the room. They just waved at us. They had paid for our dinner. They had saw how much fun we were having as a family, enjoying ourselves, celebrating. And so I had 50 bucks in my pocket, you know. You know plus dinner was taken care of because we were, we were milking it. We got mud pie, too. I'm telling you, it was, it was like super cool. And, and, you know, and not just one for all of us to eat. We got two slices for all four of us to eat. You know what I mean? The super meal deal. Anyway, and so anyway, with that, then I, I end up, Uh, taking my family home, and then I remember that I got this envelope in my pocket. I opened it up. I was at a stoplight, I remember, and I opened it up, and it was twice as much as my tithe. Our God is good. And that's not the only thing he did. I mean, he kept taking care of us. Groceries would show up on our porch. All sorts of beautiful things. And we made it through that season. And so we're not in that poverty that we were at that season. In fact, I was at, the other part of it is at Costco that particular day, that same Father's Day. You're not going to believe this. I hope this doesn't distract from my message, from the message I want you to walk away from God's word, but this is my story intermingled with God's story. Do you understand? So I'm at Costco, and all of a sudden, uh, this woman that used to be a part of the Christian bookstore there, she goes, hey, I haven't seen you around much. What's going on? And I said, oh, I said, I got let go at the church, and I'm working over at Costco now. She goes, oh. She goes, is your daughter still riding horses? And I said, I said, no, we had to sell our horse. We just, times are a little tough right now. We just had to do that. We had to sell them. She goes, oh, okay. And so I'm talking with her for a little bit. She goes, tell you what, sweetheart. She goes, the Holy Spirit's telling me to do something right now. She goes, I've got some money in here somewhere in my purse. And she had this big, giant purse that, you know, it's more like a backpack than a purse, you know. And she's metal, and she goes, I've got some secret compartments in here. And, and she's, you know, she's unvelcroing things and, Anyway, she reaches in and two crisp $100 bills. She goes, I want you to have these. 
And she hands these to me, and she goes, and I want you to love your family well. She goes, Jesus loves you. I go, oh, thank you. And I'm, I'm sweating at this point because I'm moving cheeses around in the deli area, you know, trying to make sure that the dates are, the oldest ones are in the front so that people buy them front first and all this. And I'm, I'm doing all this. And God's taking care of my family's needs. She goes around the store. About 45 minutes later, she goes, you know, I just can't seem to get out of this store without coming back to you. She goes, I have some more in here somewhere. She opens, she, she opens up that crazy big bag of hers. You know, this big, uh, yeah, it was a, anyway. And she opens it up and she finds another compartment. She, she hands me three $100 bills. She goes, I want you to bless your family. And this is from God. Anyway, God, I've learned, I've experienced what it means to have a lot of money. And I've experienced what it means to be poor. And God takes care of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And church, I want to test your faith. I want to challenge your faith. And I want to stretch your faith and ask you to consider being generous. When it comes to your wealth, care about other people. Because if it wasn't these other people that cared about me, where would I be? And they shared out of their abundance. And by the way, in the Bible times, if you didn't have money to give away, what they would do is they would go without eating, and then they would take that money when they were fasting from not eating, and they would give it to the less fortunate, those who don't have as much as they do. So sometimes sacrificial giving starts to come in. Let me... uh, I I love this. We, We tried to teach this to our children, Elena, when she was just a little one. We had a practice in our family where we would put dollar, uh, like a $20 bill or a, uh, thir- uh, 30, sometimes 40 bucks in our pocket, and it wasn't ours. It was for somebody else. And so we would give the kids money and we'd say, hey, this money's not yours. This is yours to give to somebody who needs it. And so we'd give them five bucks. Well, and we all practiced it. Well, one day, my daughter comes up to me, and she goes, Dad, I need your money which I hear all the time now. Uh, Dad, I need your money. And I go, what money? She goes, the money that we give to people. And I go, okay, where's your money? She goes, I gave it away already. And I go, okay, well, and I said, this is mine to give away. She goes, Dad. <laughs> you know, and anyway, so I ended up, you know, I ended up giving her my money. <laughs> in fact, I, I, I reminded her of this story the other day, and she didn't remember it at all, but she did remember some things. But I locked it in my mind because she started to understood that we were conduits of God's blessing, that it's our job as Christians to, 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 to generate and to, and to cause money to go and resources to go, whether it's our influence, whether it's our time or energy, whether it's... It's our position. We're called to leverage those things for the benefit of other humans, not just for ourselves, but to be a benefit for other people. Let's turn to some scripture here so you're not just hearing from Darren's experiences here. We're going to look at 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 18, and I'll I'll walk through this very quickly here, and then we'll conclude. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. I started wearing glasses, but when I preach, I don't know what to do with them. Yeah, it's kind of like 
not only my eyesight when I turned 50, I started having problems, but also I have to get up three times in the night to use the restroom. But... First Timothy six seventeen through 19 says, command. The very first word is command. Timothy is a, a disciple of Peter and, oh no, Paul, excuse me, a disciple of Paul. And Paul is instructing him how to be a good pastor. He says, if you want to be a good pastor, you command your people to do this. He says, I command you, those who are rich in the, this present world, not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth. If we put our hope in wealth, it's going to be a sad thing because it comes and goes. Am I right? Which is so uncertain. But put your hope in God. If you're going to put your hope in something, put it in God. Because he doesn't fail. He's a sure deal. He's going to show up every time. Maybe not in your timing, but he shows up in the nick of time. And I think he does that so that he gets glory for it. He says, command them to do good to be rich in good deeds. So in other words, command those who are rich to put their hope in God. By the way, it, those who are rich, he provides those things so that every one of us, so that we can enjoy life. It's for our enjoyment. God wants us to have a blast. He wants us to really have a good time. And he says, command them. So I'm going to command you, folks. How often do we, none of us want to be commanded, do we? Let me invite you. That's a, that's a more, more gentle way of doing it. Let me invite you to be rich in good deeds. Do great things for people. Be generous. Practice generosity. And be willing to share your stuff. Whether whether it's your things, resources, tools. By the way, I didn't know that when your honey gave you a list to do to fix things around the house, that was an invitation to buy new tools. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I just found that out a couple years ago because it was like I kept looking around at all these other men and I'm going, how do you guys have all these tools? I'm always having to borrow yours. And they go, oh, and then, then one of the elders in the church came up to me at Redmond Christian and said, son, let me teach you the most excellent way. <laughs> and when I found out that every time I do a project, I'm supposed to buy a good tool, well, now I know my wife is actually the tool person, and she just bought a sander the other day, and she's going, hur, hur, hur. you know, she's just, she's just, she's loving, she loves tools, man. So share whatever you have is what I'm trying to say. In this way, you will lay up treasure for, for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that you may take hold of life that is truly life. By the way, this life is good, but there's a life that we're going to have that's going to be even better. Oh, my goodness. It's the, by the way, you know what I do? This is just a side note. This is a freebie, okay? I, sp- I spend a few, a few minutes each evening before I go to bed trying to dream about what heaven's going to look like. In fact, I, I had to start getting a new palette of colors to dream about, to use, because my colors were starting to, to not work for me. And so now I start to think of, in heaven, colors have taste, and textures have smells. And, you know, I'm trying to think of other world-like stuff. 
And, uh, and so I'm trying to get creative. But I spend a little bit of time each night fantasizing what heaven's going to be like. So, 2 Timothy, I'm going to change now to 2 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 10. And it says, But godly, godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm being told I need to be next door now. My daughter just popped in the back. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For you brought nothing into this world, you can take nothing out of it. But if you have food and clothing, you will be content with that. Those who get rich fall into temptation and traps and in many uh, foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I'm just going to end with this, folks that you can get distracted with worldly wealth. And I'm not saying that's bad to have money or possessions. That's not what I'm inferring. And I'm saying that we as believers, it's our job to, cond- to be conduits of God's blessing, to be generous. So we're to be fair, we're to care, and we're to share. And I'll end with this, that I have a dream for Powell Butte Christian Church, and I can dream this for you, and I can dream it for me that we would be such a generous people that people outside would come in contact with Jesus and give him credit for our generosity. That we would be so generous that they would start putting the pieces together. And then also, I have a challenge for each one of you this week. Consider how you can be generous at least one time. Set aside something. Be ready when the Holy Spirit leads you to be generous at least one time this week.